0: Good morning, church family. Grab a seat. And isn't it wonderful that we are a church family? And can I just join in 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 wishing a happy Mother's Day to all the mums and the mum figures who are joining us in person and online? Um, We celebrate you and we also just recognise the many experiences of mothering across our church family. And Guys, I'm, I'm just loving this Daring Beyond series that we're doing at the moment. And you know what? This is so close to the heart of God, this daring beyond ourselves with the good news of Jesus. And, and you know, God cares about this even beyond much. He cares about this every day, every Sunday, yes, and every Monday to Sunday. And it's just my joy to to bring a fresh word um, to you this morning. So let's, let's recap for a moment. Last week, we heard from Pastor Jeff. And we follow Jesus into the margins where we met Jesus between the sacred and the secular. And this morning, we're going to continue that journey into the margins where we encounter the unexpected stranger. So renowned Irish poet, William Yeats famously said this. He said, there are no strangers here, only friends that we haven't met yet. Now, I try to live my life this way. I try to consider that every person I've just met is a a new friend, you know, someone that I might get to know and consider a friend in time. Um, And when you start to live your life in that way, I tell you what, there are some fascinating people out there, some really interesting people. People like Dave, the self-described birder. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Dave. I was in my local park um, just a a couple of weeks ago doing some work on my laptop because sometimes I just work better in the sunshine. (laughs) And I was sitting by the duck pond and I saw this figure in the distance holding a pair of binoculars. Now, before you think, that's a little bit strange. What's a a stranger doing in the park with a pair of binoculars? Look, good question. Uh, But this was... Let me introduce you to Dave the birder. Now, this isn't actually him. This is an artistic representation of him. But um, he was following the bird life, and and what I later um, discovered through conversation with him was two wedge-tailed eagles that were circling above us in South Morang. You know, there are there are moments like this that we face every single day. Moments where we have a choice will I look up from what I'm doing and will I engage with the world around me like Dave was doing, or will I continue on? Well, and I'm not just talking about Dave looking up and engaging with creation. I'm talking about looking up and engaging with the strangers in our midst. Um, And I had one of those choices in that moment. I could continue doing what I was doing, or I could look up, I could smile at Dave with the binoculars. A smile which led to a hello, which led to a 20-minute conversation in which I learned the following interesting facts. Did you know that we have over 130 species of bird in South Morang? I didn't. I thought that was interesting. (laughs) Um, And I also learnt some interesting things about Dave. I learnt that every single day he goes out bird watching and he objects to the term twitcher, uh, which you may or may not have heard of, but a twitcher is someone who uh, goes out to, to follow the, the, the rare birds so that can tick them off the list, but not Dave, no. Dave, he's interested in the local bird life. And when I asked him what his favourite species of bird was, he, he told me, oh, that'd be like choosing a favourite child. <laughs> uh, I couldn't possibly. So he told me about six of his, you know, favourites. Um, but you know, through that 20-minute conversation I was then also able to share with Dave, you know, that I'm an avid storm chaser, someone who strange as it sounds, I love watching storms and for me, I know this sounds strange, but it's akin to like an act of worship because it reminds me of how small I am in a world that is so much larger than me that points to a creator and I was able to share just in a, in a phrase or a sentence or two that, that this creator, how incredible he is and all of this would have passed me by had I not looked up in that moment and engaged with the stranger in my midst. So I wonder, friends, what is your attitude to meeting strangers? Now, do you carry the the stranger danger, maybe that was drilled into you from childhood where mum and dad would tell you, don't talk to strangers, don't answer the door to the stranger? Do you still carry that with you today? I suspect that there are people in a room this size who are at both ends of the spectrum and in the middle. So there'll be people here who love talking to new people like our welcome team who don't they do an incredible job week after week (laughs) helping us helping to set a culture where we welcome the stranger, but there are also people uh, here who are maybe just having triggered uh, trigger warning <laughs> while I'm talking about strangers who um, maybe you experience some social anxiety and that's really scary for you. But no matter who you are, every single one of us has at some point in our life been the stranger whether it's, you know, you're the new kid walking into a new school and you're the one who everyone else turns around to look at or whether you're first day on a new job and you don't know where the stationary cupboard is and you're depending on the kindness of strangers to, to welcome you in or perhaps even more significant than that, you are new in this country and you are learning a whole new way of life, a new culture, a new language every single one of us at one point will experience what it's like to be the stranger. Let me tell you this, strangers are close to the heart of God, friends, and you'll find Jesus where you meet the unexpected stranger. So let me set the scene for you. Acts 16 is where we're going to spend some time this morning. In Acts 16, we find ourselves alongside Paul and his missionary buddies. At this point, he's he's split from Barnabas and he's joining up with Silas and Timothy and Luke. And they're about to head off on their second missionary journey. And this second journey for Paul is all about revisiting the cities where he's already preached the good news of Jesus and strengthening the churches and the new believers in these places. He's no stranger to meeting the stranger, but he's he's on this second journey kind of to strengthen the believers that he's already met with, or so Paul thought. And we pick up the story in Acts chapter 16, verses 6 to 10. Next, Paul and Silas travelled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. And then, coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas, And that night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Did you catch that? That the Holy Spirit, was the one who prevented Paul and his travelling companions from going into Asia. And so they, they turned northward toward Bithynia and then again the Holy Spirit prevents them and and they, they have this vision or Paul has this vision come to Macedonia and that's where they head to next. Now we don't know how the Holy Spirit prevented Paul and his friends from entering into Asia, which was um, uh, modern day Turkey. We don't know how that happened, whether it was a visiting prophet or whether it was a vision from God or or whether it was an inner conviction or an outer circumstance. All we know is that the Spirit prevented them from entering into Asia. And what strikes me about this is that these missionaries, they were already in motion when God directed them. So let me illustrate with a story. I'm, I'm not much of a cyclist and, in fact, I can count on one hand the number of, uh, you know, memorable moments for me of riding a bike. Number one would be when I was maybe six or seven and I would have been at my uh, house in Glen Waverley um, and I would daily... I think daily, ride around the court in circles, singing the Aladdin classic, A Whole New World. (laughs) Which, when I look back on that, is kind of ironic, considering my whole new world was circles around Franklin Court. But nonetheless, that was um, a little six-year-old, seven-year-old me. Um, number two would have been, maybe about eight years ago, um, hiring a bike on a holiday in Rotnest Island, which is off the coast of WA, and uh, riding past all the cute little quackers have you ever seen a little quokka? They're just the cutest little animal. Um, but that would have been number two. And then number three would have been a couple of years ago on a mission exposure trip to the UK, where this our chosen um, mode of transport, while we were travelling throughout London and vi- visiting various expressions of church, was to hop on a, a hired bike. Now, this is what I consider a fairly accomplished um, group of cyclists, and then there's me. <laughs> and uh, just imagine—you know—we are, you know, riding our bikes across various London bridges. <laughs> through peak hour traffic, with maybe about this much space between the curb on my left and the double-decker bus on my right. (laughs) And one thing you know when you're riding a bike is that it's when you slow down and when you stop, like when you're in peak hour traffic, that's when you can't steer anymore. That's when you get what I call the wobbles. (laughs) And... You know, the same is true when it comes to being directed by God. It is when we stop, it is when we're not moving that we get the wobbles. We cannot be directed if we're not already in motion. So take a moment to let that sink in. We cannot be directed if we're not already in motion. Paul and his companions, they were already on the move, weren't they? When the Holy Spirit redirected them up and around Asia. And each of us is, we're on the move throughout the day. We're we're doing school drop-off or we're heading to work or we're going to the cafe or the park, wherever you're happening to be going And, and God is directing us. But so many of us have this faulty notion that, I'll go share the good news when God tells me where to go. But what we see in Acts chapter 16 is the exact opposite of that. We see God directing Paul and his companions while they are moving and telling them where not to go. Some of us, I believe, need to hear this. Some of us need to stop sitting and waiting for God to direct you. And start moving through your lives with an openness to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God to direct you where he wants you to go. So take a look with me at a simplified map of uh, Paul's second missionary journey. You can see that this second time round, Paul has a a plan to replicate his earlier success and he's going to stay with the broken ground of his first missionary journey. He's already met with the, the strangers of uh, Galatia. They're now his good friends to whom he's written the book of Galatians, the letter of Galatians, in between his first and his second missionary journey. And now um, he sets out by land, travelling the Roman road through Sicilia, a gorge through the Taurus Mountains, and then northwest through Derbe, Lystra, and Iconium. And the next natural step would have been Asia. But here the Holy Spirit redirects them twice up and around Asia, modern-day Turkey, to Troas, where Paul then receives the vision about Macedonia. Friends, the Spirit of God takes us beyond what we know and dares us to travel an uncharted path. And I think perhaps there are some of us who just are a little too comfortable with the well-worn paths of our Christianity. And perhaps we're holding on a little too tightly to that one fantastic, amazing, good God conversation that you had years ago with a friend, a neighbour, a colleague, a school mum at drop-off, whoever it was, and... Perhaps just a a little too tightly that you've lost that sense of urgency that God wants us to have, that he's moving us every day into new places and into uncharted territory that he wants to direct you into encounters beyond the comfort of what you know. And that is the story, that is what this story is all about, you see. It is about Jesus leading us into the margins between what is known and comfortable and what is unknown and uncomfortable. And where we might try to, say, rebrand a strategy or a program that's worked really well for us in the past... Often God is calling us to a new way, an uncharted way. He's leading us off-road, or as us Aussies like to say, bush-bashing, you know. He's, he's leading us into new paths. You'll find Jesus when you meet the unexpected stranger. So as for me, my own Daring Beyond journey and our Daring Beyond journey as a church has led us to explore God's activity in the ever-growing uh, Growth corridor of Melbourne's north, and in particular to a place called Donnybrook, and, and why there? You might be asking why Donnybrook, and and that's because, well, quite naturally, it is the new edge of the the growing development of of the suburban north, and so we're going out by faith, we're going on the move, we're trusting that as we go, God will close. Doors, and he will open doors for us. And as we're doing that, you know, we're discovering it is a wonderfully multicultural area. In fact, um, one of the largest um, Sikh temples, which is in Craigieburn, is so close to this area that there are so many um, Indian uh, people of descent in the Donnybrook area, and just wonderful opportunities to reach out and to to encounter the stranger, the person who's different from me, and. We're trusting that God has arrived well before we have and that he is doing a good work there that we can join in with. So I'd love to introduce you to some of the members of the new team for this church plant and what I did sitting down with them last Sunday is just ask them to reflect on their experience so far what's a, a, an impacting moment um, describe your sense of call to this work in the margins um, so we'll hear some of those uh, reflections just now it's very
1: exciting to be talking about how the Lord has led us out here to with me it's not necessarily been a lightning bolt experience at this point Uh, it's been from Matthew 28 where where he says that we he wants us to go into all the world and to make disciples of all people and a life Verse for me has been uh, from John fifteen sixteen that basically says that that I didn't choose the Lord but He chose me to be a disciple maker and a disciple maker is one that spends time with people as we talked about friendship evangelism. Yeah, for me. It's- journey for myself personally, going from having a comfortable Christianity, like a pew warmer, it feels like God is saying, uh, you need to go beyond that, Uh, my salvation is not for me to hold on to and for myself, but it's to share with others, and so this has been God saying, okay, you've got to start doing that more and more, and uh, that's why I'm here, I don't even know how long I'm here for, I, I don't even know if I'm going to be leaving the park and coming here or not. I'm on this journey with God's to be getting he mm-hmm. what wants me to play in this whole He's, very, uh, yeah, he's plant that's, that's going on. on. Yeah. Uh, Probably is the only person who doesn't come from North Park here. <laughs> <laughs> and I come from about 30 kilometres further north. Um, my main uh, interest in... The Outreach here is really to see the the kingdom of God spreading in this area. Um, I've been involved with uh, church uh, startups in a lot of the northern suburbs in the city of Hume. And I seem to have about a seven year itch and move on to a new ministry. So I lasted 12 years at the last time. So uh, it's been very interesting. I've not been involved with the, the group here. And in some respects, I've found uh, the various members more embracing of God's will and love uh, than uh, other, other church ministries I've been involved with. And I'm, I'm seeing that as an advantage to uh, help get the fire going in this area. I seem to using the analogy of the fire. Uh, and the fire is the spread of God's love. Uh, I'm looking forward to being involved, even if it's just being uh, one of the people that tend the fire. So, yeah. Well, when I uh, first heard about the work, starting wanting to start a new work in Donnybrook area, and when I heard there was no churches in this area, I just have this longing that the people in this area could have what I've had which has been to really be um, challenged and taught God's word at guidance and peace and and then to have a place to grow in and to have a church family that will support this.
0: So I'm excited to be a part of this. um. How good is that? Yeah, yeah. Now, I apologise about all the wind in the background. I was actually quite excited because there was a storm rolling in (laughs) while we were filming that. Um, But there were some real gold nuggets there, weren't there? Some expressions I just want to remind you of. You know, Brian, you heard him saying, I didn't choose the Lord, but he chose me to be a disciple maker. And then we we heard from Johan, it feels like God is saying, you need to go beyond that, beyond being a pew warmer. My salvation is not to hold on to, to keep to myself, but it's to share with others. And then you heard Mary saying, I, I just had this longing that the people in this area could have what I've had and to come to know Jesus and his love and forgiveness and guidance and peace. Amen. We could stop the sermon there. <laughs> uh, this is what we're talking about. And just imagine, imagine for you friends what it would be like if you were to dare beyond what you've known and to dare into the uncharted paths. Where God is leading you. So let's keep reading Acts chapter 16, verses 11 to 15. We boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace. And the next day we, land, we landed at Neapolis. And from there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. And she and her household were baptised and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I'm a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. First thing I want you to notice about this encounter between Paul and his friends with Lydia and her household is that Lydia was already a worshipper of God. She was already a worshipper of the Jewish God. Here is a Gentile woman, a non-Jew, who's worshipping the Jewish God. And she may not have yet known about Jesus, but for sure God was already at work and active in her life. Last week we, we heard from Pastor Jeff that God will have already done something, but it's not always easily discernible. And that's definitely true here. God had already done something, but it was easily discernible here because we could see this group of women who are worshipping by the river. And so God is always, friends, he's always the first to arrive. Our missional task is simply to join in with what he's already doing. So if you ask me about... um, perhaps one of my pet peeves, it is this. It is the assumption that God shows up when we do. No, let me just uh, dismantle that. Let's just get rid of that right now and know that God doesn't show up when we do. God is always the first to arrive. And our role as believers is not to plant our Christian flag in new places. Our role as believers is to discern the activity of God and to join in. Our job is to look for Lydia, to look for the people of peace, to listen to people's stories, to act as signposts that that point to God's activity in the lives of those around us. This requires an open spirituality. It requires a curiosity, a willingness to listen to the Daves. It requires a, a willingness to be open to the opportunities that God might present us with. And so for me in, in the park, just going back to that story with Dave the birdo in the park that day, it required a w- in me a willingness to look up, to engage with the stranger in my midst, to, to smile, to, to listen to his story. And after having listened to his story, to be able to act as a signpost that points to the activity of God who is already at work in his life, right? But of course, all of this comes to nothing if we're not willing to follow Jesus into the margins. And that is the point this morning, friends. You'll find Jesus where you meet the unexpected stranger. Lydia is in every way the unexpected candidate for this uh, encounter with Paul. And this is a moment of firsts for Paul. There's a reason why Lydia and her whole household are worshipping the Jewish God on the the riverbank outside the city of Philippi. And the reason is that there were not enough prerequisite number of men in Philippi in order to form a Jewish synagogue. Because they needed a certain number of Jews, of Jewish men, in order to form a synagogue in the city. And because the Roman authorities outlawed any unrecognized religious groups, here were these God-worshipping women who were quite literally on the margins, margins worshipping the Jewish God because their whole worship was outlawed by Philippi. And so Lydia is unexpected, but there she is. She is Paul's first missionary encounter with a small group of women, which is quite scandalous when you consider why they were there in the first place. Not only that, but she's a Gentile worshipping the Jewish God. Again, scandalous, unexpected. Not only that, but she is a wealthy and an influential businesswoman. Verse 14 tells us that she was a merchant of expensive purple cloth, which was the colour that was worn by nobility. So she was, she was a businesswoman. She was influential in that society. Again, quite scandalous. And most shocking of all, where was Lydia from? Well, we read that she was from Thyatira. And where is that? But that is in Asia, where the Holy Spirit prevented Paul and his associates from going. So in every sense, Lydia was not what Paul expected. God gives Paul a vision of a Macedonian man saying, come help us, and who greets him but a migrant woman? I think that's fascinating that that it is this migrant woman who is the key to the church reaching Europe, a woman from the very place where the Holy Spirit had prevented Paul and his friends from going. You'll find Jesus where you meet the unexpected stranger. See, friends, you'll have the opportunity this week in your life group to consider who is the unexpected stranger. And if we define stranger as the one who is different from us, who uh, is unknown to us, then there are strangers in our midst every single day. We live in one of the most multicultural cities in the world. And every time we step out our front door, we have the opportunity to fulfill the Great Commission to go into all the nations and make disciples. You know, all around us we have cultures and people who are from places that are different from what we've known here in Australia. People with different customs, languages, ways of life, people with different value systems and people with different fears. And we have this opportunity to encounter the stranger every single day. The nations are on our doorstep and we have only just to step out the front door to fulfil the Great Commission to follow Jesus into the margins between what is known and comfortable and what is unknown and uncomfortable. And so let me just go back a moment, just a a couple more reflections from our Donnybrook crew on that answer to the question, what does it look like to dare beyond yourselves and to step into the margins? Let's take a look.
1: that was quite impactful on my life personally and just hearing all the testimonies and how God knew something that seemed very small at the start to um, turn it into something big. It was just a reminder for me like yeah sometimes I think something is insignificant but just to trust God and and respond in obedience every day and yeah it just brings me a sense of peace and joy because I know it's not my working I don't have to stress and do all the work about it but just every day to respond in obedience mm. Mm. Yeah.
0: I think for me it's the deep relationships and I think that you know coming out of a, a church with four walls so to speak when you go into that space that in you're new that you're meeting people but you're not meeting them on a deeper level that we've done here mm. and that you know we've talked about how we want to continue that you know with people coming in we want to make sure that we go deep with relationships that's at my core of who I am about you know, the one, so that one person
1: church, and then that church, then um, Christina's tinder there ending, so we were like uh, what are we going to do now? So then we went back to our home church at Mill Park, which as you do, and then from there, obviously the new plant was coming out of there, and we just thought, well, this is, you know, this is maybe our new adventure, is with the new plant, so that's what brought, it, brought us along, so it's been good.
0: Hmm. There's a, a few more nuggets there, and I just want to highlight that, so Sunay said, uh, sorry, Will said, it's not my working, I don't have to stress and do all the work about it, but just every day to respond in obedience, right? This isn't supposed to be hard work, this is supposed to be us just allowing the Holy Spirit to direct us. Um, Christina said, for me, it's about deep relationships, we want to make sure we go deep with relationships, And you heard Sune that say there, sometimes you think you're making plans and all along God is orchestrating something. That's what this story in Acts is all about. Paul and his friends, they they think they're making plans, but all along God is orchestrating something. And so what happens next? What happens next in Paul's Daring Beyond journey? It says in verse 14 and 15, As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. And she and her household were baptised and she asked us to be her guests. God is in the business of opening hearts and homes, isn't he? And it wasn't Paul who opened Lydia's heart. It was the Holy Spirit who opened Lydia's heart and to me that is just so encouraging because you know what the pressure's off (laughs) all I need to do is is like what we just heard Will saying is to step out in obedience to join in with what God's already doing but God is the one who opens hearts like the Holy Spirit opened Lydia's heart that day and what is the sign of Lydia and her household's newfound faith that baptism and hospitality. Now I don't have time to talk more about that today and you might like to explore that more in your life groups but just let me say this. Our faith in Jesus is expressed externally through the step of baptism and through a life that is transformed to be like the life of Jesus and that includes open-palmed generosity. It includes opening your heart and opening your home. Um, just this week, just a couple of days ago, I learnt a new word in Farsi from some of our Persian uh, brothers and sisters here, from John and Hannah, and it is a word that is um, very handy. It is a word called panapa, okay? And so panapa, I, if I'm understanding it correctly, is the word you say when you've been offered too much food, <laughs> and you just couldn't possibly eat anymore, and you say panapa, panapa, and you know what? That was like Lydia. She was so grateful, so grateful for God's activity in her life, for this newfound faith in Jesus, that she wanted to open her heart, yes, but also her home with hospitality. And she, she urged Paul and his companions so much that they just relented and they couldn't say Panapa. They could not turn away. And this is the expression of what it is to be on fire for Jesus, that we would open our hearts. Hearts and our homes, friends. So, what can you do to follow Jesus into the margins to meet with the unexpected stranger? Number one, friends, hear me well start moving. Stop sitting and waiting for God to direct you and start moving and trusting that as you pray and as you go through your day to school, to work, wherever you happen to be going, that God is going to be directing you. Number two, be attentive to the opportunities that you have to meet the stranger in your midst, to look up from what you're doing and to engage with anyone who is unknown to you, anyone who is different from you. And number three, and perhaps arguably the most important, assume that God has already gone ahead of you. He has prepared God conversations. He is the one who's going to lead you into these God encounters. Let me finish with this. In Matthew 25, there's a description of the standard by which we as believers will be judged at the end. And Jesus says this, Come. You who are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. And then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you, a stranger, and show you hospitality? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are doing it to me. Every time you welcome the stranger, you are welcoming Jesus. You'll find Jesus where you meet the unexpected stranger. Let's pray, friends. Loving God, we, we thank you for the truth of these words. And Lord, that we're not doing this on our own. But Father, as believers, you fill us up with your Holy Spirit and you direct us. And I pray even just this week that we would be having encounters that you have prepared in advance for us to have. Lord, that this week, that on the move, we might be listening and hearing from the voice of the Holy Spirit as you open and close doors, that we might discern moments where you want us to look up and encounter the stranger in our midst. And thank you, God, that you've gone ahead of us. All you call us to do is to respond in faith and obedience. Thank you, Lord, that you reached out to us. Lord, that we did not choose you, but you chose us to be disciple makers. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.